does prayer really matter? And if so, then what happens when we pray? How's it going? My name is Nate Huss, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And we are diving into week three of a six-week series on prayer and lament. This is a practice series where a huge portion of our church is gathered together, meeting in houses around the Quad Cities here in beautiful Prescott, Arizona, as they are navigating what it looks like, what it means to pray and lament, joining Jesus in practicing his way. And so this week, Ron Merrill is going to dive into what happens when we pray. Today, Landon and I were set to uh, tag team teach the time that we had together, and then he woke up and is uh, sick, bad cold, and and, uh, a cough that he can hardly get through a couple sentences, so uh, keep him in prayer if you wouldn't mind. Um, Stuff's certainly going around, and uh, just lift him up in prayer. That would be amazing. and then also, like during, because we prepared together, if there's any portions of the message you don't like today, um, yeah, then no, they're probably my portion, and the good parts are his that I will steal, and you'll just be left trying to figure out which is which. Um, when I was talking to Landon earlier this week, he, he, uh, he just kind of said it real bluntly. He said, you know what, I think one of the dumbest things that I do is not pray, And I thought, yeah, that resonates with me too. And he said, one of the dumbest things I do, not praying, it's just because of one of two reasons usually. One is because I uh, forget. I just get busy or distracted, that sort of thing. You're all familiar with that. I mean, it's hard. You wake up in the morning and boom, there's already stuff to get rolling through, stuff already occupying your mind, Um, work, friends, uh, household, you name it. Um, Or... Uh, I don't pray because if I really stop and think about it, I don't know if I really believe it works. Or I'm wondering, does it really do anything? And that's a little bit of what I would love to, to talk about today. Because so far we have talked about the who of prayer. And that one of the really key factors when it comes to prayer is it recalibrates, it refocuses us on the Lord. It's hard to pray the Lord's Prayer, for example, and not be reminded of uh, who we're talking to. And that when we go to prayer, one of the key factors is remembering we're praying to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're praying to our Heavenly Father who is holy and righteous. He is God Almighty. He's not just a buddy. We're not just talking to ourself, but the who we're talking to is really key, really important. Last week, we talked about the reality that when we wrestle with prayer and we go to God in prayer, that it actually does something in us as well. It does some reframing and recalibrating to our perspective, our outlook, our frame of mind. So before we've even got to any outlet of prayer or end result of prayer out there, we sit down and we pray. We're already lining back up with our Father, and we're already allowing Him to do some work in here. But it does kind of beg the question, does prayer move the hand of God, 
Or is it just simply a meditative, calming experience between me and the Lord? I would say it's both and. It certainly is a precious time of communion with our Heavenly Father. But prayer also does something. Prayer works. God works through our prayer life. And we've got to just kind of talk about that today. You know, there are some people who, when they pray, you have even probably some really vivid moments where you've seen God move through your prayers. Without being a source of pride, because remember, when we pray and God responds, it's not because of you. There wasn't the power in you. There wasn't the power in the formula or the way that you prayed. The power is in the one that we're praying to, right? But how many of you can think back of a time where you prayed for something, either a one-off or over a long period of time, and you saw God move, you saw God do something through your prayers, How many of you, that's a regular experience? Again, this isn't, uh, okay. How many of you, it's a little more infrequent? Okay, yeah. That's probably real life and, and real numbers. Now, I don't always know why that's the case, why... For some people, you know, I, knew, I know some people have an actual gift, a spiritual gift of intercessory prayer that I would have to imagine is linked to that somehow. Um, the rest, I don't know. When we talk about God moving through prayer, what we need to remind ourselves, though, is the timing and the manner that God chooses to respond, that's up to him. And I would very much like the vending machine God. I'd very much like the instant gratification, God. I would very much like I asked for this and then you gave it to me and fast. But that's not often the way that God works, is it? And what I have discovered is, in my own life anyway, with regard to prayer is, well, I tried that twice and it didn't work, so now I don't do it anymore. Until the wheels come off. Until stuff gets rough. And then for whatever reason, that's when it's, oh, okay, yeah, I do, I, I do need you. It's the tag team wrestling duo. And as long as I'm winning the match, I'm doing fine. I don't need you, God, you stay out of the ring. But the minute that I hit the mat and somebody, the opponent, the enemy has taken me down, then I'm crawling all fours over to the <laughs> ring and go, come on, you get in here, I need you now. So we just need to kind of be honest with that a little bit. But then there's this whole other thing that I was just really moved to this week. And that, that is that there are some followers of Jesus who have really been through some stuff. And when they keep praying, even though they've been through some stuff, I feel like... I got to learn from some of you people because I've been through some stuff, but I don't know if I've been through some stuff. And, and, and the people who have been through the heaviness and the weight and I mean, maybe even on an, a level that in America we can't even relate to. And this isn't to minimize or diminish because some of you here in this room, you've been through some stuff. And that's real, I get it. But I'm, I'm really blown away by some 
brothers and sisters in Christ who have walked difficult paths for a really, 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 really long time and they still are talking to God. I came across one this week. Yusuf is painfully aware of the time that has passed since his 31-year-old son, Farouk, was kidnapped in Syria. It's been one year, nine months, and 20 days, he said, holding a small photo of his son. Yusuf doesn't know where Farouk is, but he believes he is alive because of his potential usefulness to his kidnappers. Farouk has a background in computer science, and the terrorists often kidnap skilled professionals they need for their operations. Like many others whose family members have been kidnapped by terrorists, Yusuf knows nothing about what has happened to his son. But his faith in Christ gives him hope that few other Syrians have. Listen, Yusuf said, I always pray, let your will be done, Lord. You are a good God. He prays, King David was not better than me. He lost his son. And I'm encouraged by that fact when I go to the Bible. I'm not the only one who lost his son. But in other things I say, Lord, you gave our son to us and you can take him whenever you desire. Those are the things that come to my heart when I go before the Lord. In 2012, the Syrian civil war forced Yusuf, his wife, their two daughters, and Farouk to flee the Christian town of Al-Hamadiah in the city of Homs. There's no human life in that city anymore because of the war, Yusuf said. The rebel radicals came into the Christian town, but God was great and rescued us. The way God provided water for us, it started snowing. We began to gather the snow and bring water out of the snow so we could drink and use that. The family relocated to a new city where their journey of suffering, as Yusuf calls it, began. It was this journey that ultimately deepened their Christian faith. About two years after losing their home, Farouk simply disappeared one night. Yusuf and others searched areas, prisons, and jails, but didn't find them. Then they received a call from the terrorists asking for a ransom. Yusuf and his family have continued to hear mixed reports on whether he has been killed, but they believe he is alive. Yusuf said his greatest pain is caused by not knowing where Farouk is. Someone burst my heart, Yusuf said tearfully, still holding a picture of his son. He keeps a different mental image of his son in mind, an image of God's hand covering Farouk. Yusuf also clings to scriptures that tell him not to trust in earthly kingdoms or powers, but to trust in the Lord your God. What breaks my heart is his mother, Yusuf said. She's not been able to cope with the reality of losing her only son. We raised him, we walked with him every inch, every step of life, we walked that journey with him as a family, Every minute was so valuable of his life and our lives, and then all of a sudden we lost him. He vanished. Yusuf uses everything from humor to faith to help his wife deal with her suffering. I try to take her away from that painful part of her life. I encourage her to go to prayer service, to Bible study, to meet with fellowship with the brothers. 
Yusuf admits that his relationship with God has suffered since his son's disappearance. He said he argues with God, asking where he is in the situation and why he can't know anything about his son. Between the arguments, however, he said he feels God's peace. I wake up in the middle of the night and sometimes I hear his voice and it comforts me, he said. Yusuf said fellowship with other believers has helped him stay strong through all his family trials. They keep lifting me up in prayer and they always ask me about him and they check on me, he said. That fellowship of encouragement is great for me and my family because even when I am not there, listen, I know they are praying for me. They are praying for my son. One of the prayer gatherings they do for my son lasts an hour and a half a week. And I know that in that hour and a half, my son and my family are being lifted. This is just encouragement for me and my family. Yusuf is also encouraged by seeing how God uses others to minister to him and his family. Out of nowhere, these people just come and help me, he said. It's incredible how God is providing. We have nothing, but we have something because of God's provision in our lives through the fellowship of believers and because of prayer. Yusuf continues to help Syrian refugees through volunteer work with his church. Having experienced the same hardships the refugees are facing, he knows that this will help them most is what is coming to know Christ. Even after losing everything, his possessions, his home, his job, and his son, Yusuf said following Jesus is worth it. And then he said this. We have not sacrificed anything compared with what God has sacrificed for us. Amen. You see, that, that's a whole different level The types of things I pray for are, you know, anything you talk to God about, valid. God just likes to listen to his kids talk. At the same time, I feel like I brought a, bring a lot of, like, silly, petty, God, please help me have a good hair day. <laughs> sorts of. I haven't had a good hair day in 25 years. He's not coming through on that one, you know? But he just loves the communication. He loves hearing us talk. And, and yet there's sometimes these radical shifts in perspective that come through. Some people that have really experienced hardship, pain, and loss and have not given up, especially on talking to God. And then they've watched then faithfulness of God over time do miracles huge. So does prayer move God's hand or is it just a meditative calming experience between me and him? It's both. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Near the end of your Bible, if you're not real familiar, quicker to go to the back of your row, work back to the left. You'll hit this book of James. Chapter 5. Listen to what James says. God, God's word here is so cool. Verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? 
he should pray. Okay, so if prayer doesn't do anything with regard to our suffering, then why would God encourage us through his word when we're suffering to pray? Prayer actually does something. It reminds us of who he is. It does something in our own hearts, but then there's some action to it. God moves through our prayers. Is anyone suffering among you? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Our singing praises is another form of our prayer life. As we're talking to him, we're, we're just singing. We can make these songs our prayer. And when you are just actually praying, you can praise him in your prayer life. Is anyone among you sick? You should call for the elders of the church and they should pray over him after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will restore him to health. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. James calls us to all sorts of prayer for suffering and for uh, physical healing and uh, for sin, temptation issues. And God wants to meet us right where we're at in the midst of all of those things as we come to him. It's as if there's this river of grace and provision and mercy that God has for us that often gets dammed up and prayer becomes like the opening up of the floodgates through which God can respond, unleash his power and his grace and all the things that we actually need. When I start reminding myself of that, I just think about, my goodness, what, what's not happening when I'm not praying? You know, I'm not thwarting God's plan or his sovereignty. He's still at work. He's still doing things. But to know that he can, he and I can partner together on the everyday stuff of life as I pray is tremendous. So God works as we come to him in prayer. But what actually happens when we pray? What actually happens when we pray? We could probably list about 500 things. How's about eight today? Okay. Here's at least eight things that happen when we pray. First, God can give spiritual sight. Second, God can heal our bodies. Then God can provide for our needs. God can deliver us. God can empower us. God can make Prescott better, and God can give us joy. Prescott needs to be better, right? First thing God does, I mean, this is not in any particular order, but one of the things God can do when we pray is that he gives spiritual sight. Yes, he can give physical sight to people who are blind, but he can give spiritual sight, and we desperately need that. You and I desperately need that because 
We cannot see God for who he is, ourselves for who we are. We can't understand truth, see truth. We can't see what's really going on around us unless God gives us eyes to see. You think about Paul that was persecuting the Christian church, believers, and then he has that road to Damascus experience with Jesus. Jesus shows up, blinds Paul, his eyes cover with scales, then the scales fall off, and now he's able to see Jesus for who he really is, and it was a massive game changer. And in Acts chapter 26, he, he says, now I know that this happened to me so that other people can have their spiritual sight opened. That they can go from dark to light. And so when you pray, you should be praying for your own spiritual sight. Let me see what's really true, God. Let me see you and understand you for who you really are. Much less all those people that you're thinking of that you desperately love that the God, lowercase g, of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Pray for their spiritual sight, that God would open their eyes because you can't open your own eyes. They can't open their own eyes. God's got to step in and do what only God can do. When we pray, God gives spiritual sight to us and often for the people that we're lifting up in prayer. God gives spiritual sight. God can heal our bodies. James was just talking about that. God breaks through in miraculous ways, healing physically. Sometimes I think we lose the miraculous or lose the stories of that because we live in America and oftentimes the healing or the recovery comes through medical practices and techniques. But I think that's still God at work. But there are countless stories of God showing up in places in different ways physically bringing healing that I've got no explanation for. God can heal our bodies. And so we should be praying for that. God's word tells us to be praying for that. Now, if he doesn't show up in the timing and the manner in the healing that you're looking for that you wanted, that doesn't mean prayer doesn't work or God hates you. He may have something else in mind. When my dad got called home, 48 years old, sudden heart attack too soon, my mom's there doing mouth to mouth on him for 45 minutes on a hillside all alone. You gotta know she was praying nonstop during that. And yet my dad's way better off than any of us right now. Did he get his healing? Yeah. Wasn't what I would have chosen. But the prayer didn't fail. God didn't fail. When we pray, God can provide for our needs. Remember the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a reminder God's our provider. Matthew chapter 6, talks, Jesus talks about, don't worry about your life. Easier said than done, right? He says, I, I take care of the birds, I take care of the plants. And then he has that amazing question, how much more valuable are you than they? Won't I take care of you? I take care of everything. I hold the universe in place. I can provide for your needs. Now, remember, there's a big difference between needs and wants, right? And then I think what 
Americans want or think they need is way up here. I go down to third world countries and experience the nothingness that these people have. Here's what always happens. I always go down feeling sorry for these people. And I always fly home feeling sorry for us. I go down going, they don't have anything. Why are they so happy? Why are they so open to who God is and what he's got for them? Because they know the real difference between like having to depend. They don't even know if their next meal's coming. And they've watched, sometimes without the language for it, God show up and provide for their needs. But in the same instruction, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We do that, I think, in his word and through prayer. And then the rest will be added unto you. He'll take care of the rest. Our job isn't to worry about this, that, and the other thing. Our job is to seek him and his kingdom. And as I'm praying for that, your kingdom come, your will be done, then what I think I need and what I really need I think start to become really clear. And then knowing he's our provider anyway. God can provide for our needs, your needs. God can deliver us. When we pray, God can deliver us. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about from the junk. I'm talking about from the enemy. I'm talking about from sin temptation. It's almost, I don't know if it's impossible, but it's really hard for me to follow through on sin while I'm praying. (laughs) I'm all alone and Google is wide open to me. And here the temptation comes. Look up this, search for that. You're hanging out with this person or that person and you you, want to get into a gossipy or trash-talking conversation about that person or... And anger wells up and you know you want to lash out to respond in a certain way. If we immediately go in prayer and start praying, Lord, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I want to do. I don't even know if I want to do the right thing. What I really, really, truly want to do is this other thing. But you're talking to God about that. He's our deliverer. Remember again, the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. God, please deliver me from what the enemy has in mind. Deliver me from what I want to do. We we can't. We can't do it on our own. We can't fight it under our own strength. Our own will isn't enough. But Jesus is the one who's conquered sin and death. So talk to him about it. Invite him into the equation and start to see what happens. God can deliver us. Quickly then, God can empower us. When we pray, God empowers us to do his work. In John chapter 14, Jesus is having the conversation with his disciples. And he says, "Um, ask whatever you want in my name and it'll be given to you. Wow, that sounds pretty good. That's a nice prayer equation. How many of you ever tried that before? I've asked for certain things, and then I tagged the, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, and I didn't get it. What happened? Well, context is everything. It still goes back to the timing and the manner. That's still up to God. 
But what I'd also say is context is everything. When Jesus says, ask for whatever you want in my name and it'll be given to you, he's been having a conversation with his disciples about a couple things. One is, I'm going to go back to the Father here soon. I'm not going to be with you. I'm going to leave the Spirit of God with you. He will be your helper and your comforter. That's pretty cool. And you are going to be the representation of me in the world now. The Spirit of God in you. And now wherever you go, you're going to represent me. And, and he even says, you will do greater things than I did. Whoa. That's pretty huge. He looked at the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, and he goes, you're going to do greater things than Jesus did. Now there, real quick, greater doesn't mean in more power than. Greater in power it probably means greater in extent. Why? There was one of him for 33 years, three in particular, in Judea and Galilee. There's now how many millions of believers across how many generations, all of whom have been rescued by Jesus, have the Spirit of God alive in them? So in that regard... The, the extent of what we're able to accomplish like Jesus is just greater. It's not better than, and it's not more powerful than, but the scope is greater. Well, that's huge. It's in that context about what we will do as his people building the kingdom of God over generations that he says, ask for whatever you want in my name and I'll give it to you. In my name, meaning our hearts are aligned. You're asking for the right stuff. He'll empower us for the building of his kingdom however we need it and however we ask for it because that lines up with his will. We know we're always praying the will of God in that capacity. So of course we ask, he says, you bet. This is what's best for you. It's what's best for the world. Yes and amen all day long from God when we're praying like that. When we pray, God empowers us. When we pray, God can make press get better. I like this one. There's a weird moment in Jeremiah, and it's more descriptive than prescriptive. In other words, this describes something that took place in history that may or may not mean like it's prescriptive for us today. It may or may not mean that it's like we, we should bank on that always being the case all the time throughout all generations, but it happened back then. I think it's interesting. God's people are getting exiled into Babylon. And God tells Jeremiah, make sure that you pray for the peace and the prosperity of Babylon. Because if that city prospers, you will too. That's cool. What if from within, the people of God from within, the Quad City area, are such fervent prayer warriors for the city that from within, it changes the peace and prosperity of this community. Just in our prayer life, we're making press get better. Just in our prayer life, we're praying for the least of these, the down and out, the broken down, the homeless, the ones who uh, are part of foster adopt, the ones that are, are, are elderly, the ones that are sick, the ones that are first responders, 
the ones that are running businesses. We're just constantly praying, lifting up those people. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul tells Timothy, make sure you pray for all sorts of people in the city, but especially the authorities and the leaders, and that as we live godly, peaceful, quiet lives, it'll be a blessing to everybody. I love that. What if we prayed for other churches, not just our own? We lift them up. We're in the same team if we're looking to Jesus and his word anyway. And we start praying for each other. It'll make Prescott better. It will. And then lastly, God can give joy when we pray. I think one of the huge blessings is that we get to enjoy God when we pray. I hope you consider prayer that way. God, I, I want to enjoy you right now. Can we talk? Not just, hey, God, I got the list. Can we talk? Or God, I'm, I'm broken down and beat up. Can we talk? Those are all fine. But remember, God, I, would, I, would, I really need to enjoy you right now. Can we talk? Psalm 16 says it's in the presence of God that there's fullness of joy. And you're in the, pres in the presence of God when you're praying with him. Let him just remind you of how good he is and what he's got for you. And he can give you joy. I'm Eeyore. I, I am not Tigger. And so I need, I'm melancholy by nature. I need the joy. And this is a big one for me. And so... Is prayer just some calming meditative thing between me and the Lord or does it somehow move God's hand? Does, when we pray, does God release peace? When we pray, does God stop evil? When we pray, does God protect us? Does he protect others? When we pray, does God bring justice? When we pray, does God bring workers to the harvest. When we pray, does God give spiritual sight? When we pray, does God heal our bodies? Does God restore brokenness from beauty? The other way. <laughs> he can restore brokenness nonstop. I think I forgot that one up there. You guys, based on what I see in the word of God, the word of God indicates that when we pray, God does stuff in a way that he doesn't do stuff when we're not praying. It doesn't thwart him. It doesn't stop his plans. But from scripture, we're called to pray, and it seems that he works in these ways and a whole lot more in ways that he doesn't when we stop praying. In the early 1950s, Jim married Elizabeth. Jim Elliott had loved Jesus. He went to Wheaton College. He was a prayer warrior. And he felt like the Lord was calling him into the mission field. And so he was also then looking for a spouse that had that same call. Elizabeth, who became Elizabeth Elliott, had a call to the mission field too, and that came as a long time of seeking the Lord in prayer. 
So Jim and Elizabeth Elliot felt a call to go into missions by the mid-1950s. Through peace and guidance from the Lord in prayer, they were called to Ecuador. And in the 1950s, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy now, but back then you can imagine. There was a completely unreached people group that had no access to the gospel or God's word. Out in the jungle, the Quechua people, uh, within those, there's this group called the Alcas. And the Alcas are now referred to as the Waudani people. And so Jim Elliott, with some missionary friends, goes down on a scouting mission into Ecuador, out into the jungle to interact and find these Alca people. He finds them, they have a little bit of interaction, they leave. Sometime later, they come back to interact. And when they show up this time, the Alca people come out and they were cannibals and violent people. And they martyred Jim Elliott and his missionary friends that went in. Jim was armed with a weapon to defend himself, but he deliberately chose not to because he knew what he was getting into. He felt like the Lord led him there. And if this was part of the sovereign plan of God, then so be it. Now that in and of itself would be tremendous. I mean, you talk about what God has to stir up in your communication with him to move you and your heart and your marriage out into the jungle to a lifestyle like that. Then to lose your life. That's a whole different ballgame. Meanwhile, Elizabeth gets word of this. They had a three-year-old daughter at the time. Two years after Jim Elliott was martyred by these Alka people, Elizabeth Elliott, through prayer, loads up her daughter and some friends to go move in with the Alka people that killed her husband. Within two years, almost everybody in that tribe had given their life to Christ. The first one to say yes to Jesus through the gospel, through Elizabeth Elliot, was the one who had personally murdered her husband. Now that is the gospel at work. But it's also some crazy prayer warrior type followers of Jesus. These are not lukewarm, lazy American Christians who don't pray very much except for, you know, please give me the full bag of Doritos instead of the kind that I got three chips at the bottom. This is real prayer warrior stuff. One of the other missionaries that had been killed at the same time, his daughter that was a little bit older had gone back as well and ended up staying with that tribe all the way through 1994. And it's those sorts of people who pray bold things and then bold things happen even if they're not what I would choose or want, but then you see the ripple effect in the kingdom of God that I go, prayer works. Or that go through rough stuff and keep praying and watch the miraculous take place. That's who I want to be. I got to get a sense that that's God's heart for us too as we pray, knowing that prayer actually does things. I found a couple quotes from Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Here's what Jim prayed prior to landing there in Ecuador for the first time. Listen, God, I pray thee, 
Light these idle sticks of my life, and may I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one, like you, Lord Jesus. He'd had the interaction with the Alcas, and then he prayed this, like, live every day as if the Son of Man were at the door, and gear your thinking to the fleeting moment. Just how can it be redeemed? Walk as if the next step would carry you across the threshold of heaven. Listen, pray. The saint who advances on his knees never retreats. That's good. And I know there's many of you here in this room, you're facing bleak stuff. You've been through bleak stuff and the temptation here is to give up praying. Don't. You may need to advance from your knees. That's not just okay, that's probably better. After she'd lost her husband, Elizabeth Elliot said this. She, she said, do you often feel like parched ground Unable to produce anything worthwhile? I do. When I'm in need of refreshment, it isn't easy to think of the needs of others. But I have found that if, instead of praying for my own comfort and satisfaction, I ask the Lord to enable me to give to others, an amazing thing often happens. I find my own needs wonderfully met. Refreshment comes in ways I would never have thought of both for others and then, incidentally, for myself. We can learn from her. And then lastly, I asked him to give me the prayers he wants me to pray and to give or withhold anything according to his plan for me. Nothing's too big to ask of him, not even an ocean lot. It is God's business to decide if it is good for me it is my business to obey him. We're called to pray. Without overthinking or sparring too much, we were called to pray. Let's obey him in it. Trust him in it. And see what happens. And so gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessing of being together. I thank you that we can bring anything before you. I thank you that you reframe our outlook and remind us just how sweet and precious and amazing you are as we talk to you. But I thank you also, God, that you actually move through our prayers. We trust you with the timing and the manner. We trust you with whether you decide to respond or you, we, we trust you with whether it's good for us or not what we're asking you. Your ways aren't our ways. But God, just keep prompting us to talk to you about ourselves, but certainly about others and our community. Lord, we just pause and give you thanks for Jesus, one that modeled so much of a prayer life for us to follow. Goodness gracious, if he saw fit to talk to you during his earthly ministry, how much do I need to? 
Father, thank you that even in the crucible of the night before the cross, he's sweating blood as he's praying to you, knowing what's to come, stressed out. And yet in his prayer prayed, not my will, but yours be done. Would you give us that sort of vigilance in the tough moments? Would you prompt us to pray when things are good too, with praises, lifting up others? We thank you so much for being right here in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Church, we wanna invite you to take communion this morning. The elements are here off to the side. And you'll find these elements that represent his body that was broken for you and his blood that was shed for you. And what I'd love for you this morning is just to take these elements. One, we don't have anything without Jesus. And even our ability to approach the throne of grace in prayer and talk to him confidently is because Jesus made that possible. He's taken care of everything for us to have a relationship with God in the first place. So I'm going to invite you to come and take these elements. And then would you do this? Would you just take them back to your seat and hold on? Because we'll take them together here in just a moment. Close out with one last song. Um, I really, really would urge you to take the time just to be prayerfully still with the Lord. Once you get the elements, head back to your seat. We'll take together. Come when you're ready.
gathered as disciples. After giving thanks, he took bread and broke it. He said, this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. Whenever you eat it, remember me. After supper, he took the cup and said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. So, Father, we're humbled and thankful for your love and your sacrifice. as we're coming together in prayer. We do so aware that you are God Almighty, our heavenly daddy. You are holy and righteous. Our desire is that your kingdom would come in every area of our lives and beyond, that your will would be done. you are our great provider and ask that you would provide for our needs today. We'll let you mess with tomorrow. Forgive us, Father, for our sin and our struggles or temptations. Help us forgive those that maybe have hurt us or sinned against us, following in your footsteps of forgiveness. comes our way. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. We'll be quick to give you the praise and the glory forever and ever. What a beautiful morning as we shared in the, um, just the beautiful opportunity to sing songs together, to hear the word, and then um, together as a body to join hands and just pray with and for each other. I'm just so thankful that we serve a God who listens, who cares, who's there, he's with us, and um, we don't have to over-spiritualize it or make it something cheesy. These things are true. He is a God who is who is with us, who is fighting on our behalf, who, who beckons us to come before him in prayer. And so um, whatever your struggle is, whatever your battle is, whatever victories you're living in, whatever dreams you are carrying, lay them before him this week. Come before him knowing that he is a God who loves to lead us and guide us, protect us, and grow us. And so thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, all you continue to do. We have such deep gratitude um, for how you love us. And so thanks so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Nate Huss, and I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration Church. And if this is your first time, welcome. So glad that you were able to tune in. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Restoration, you can visit us at restorationaz.org. And um, we say this often, and uh, actually every single time we finish one of the teaching podcasts, but um, truly we mean this. Remember that Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we collectively, as the body of Christ, continue to practice the way of Jesus.